and welcome back to the Dentistry Podcast. Um, I am Gabby Bissett and I'm joined today by Chris Barrow, who I was, <laughs> I was just saying, I am very happy to finally, well, sort of meet you. Um, after 14 months with FMC, I, I've seen your name all over the place, but I've never actually had the, uh, the chance to introduce myself. So, um, hello. It's really nice to meet you, Gabby, and, and uh, you know, thank you. I, I, I suspect that my photograph is pinned to many a dartboard in the FMC offices. Um, so, uh, really, really nice to meet up. <laughs> no, only good things, only good things are said in the office, I promise. Um, but how were you anyway? How was your uh, bank holiday weekend? Um, I absolutely loved it. I um, I am in tr- final training at the moment uh, for a John O'Groats Land's End bike ride, uh, which is uh, COVID willing, is going to be taking place in June. And uh, it will be the second time that I've completed the distance. But, uh, it's been something that's been in the pipeline for well, two years now. And of course, you know, COVID threw all sorts of spanners in those works. But uh, Fingers crossed, it looks like we're going. Uh, so most of my bank holiday was spent uh, pounding out the miles on a bike in order to just get the miles in my legs. <laughs> and aren't I lucky that I can say that? And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. What kind of distances are we talking here? Because I know uh, so, the bike ride is different to different people. Yeah, the, 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 the particular route that we're going to use is something in the region of about 960 miles. And um, uh, I hasten to add over a very sedately 13 days uh we're, we're still packing a punch every day in terms of the distance that we're covering and uh, I, I i did have the very very good fortune to do the journey from land's end up to john o'groats um in 2018 it was a fantastic experience and uh myself and one of the other riders we promised that we'd do it again in a in a quieter way uh, because back in 2018, some of your listeners will know uh, that myself and a group of riders, we managed to raise some significant funds for various charities. And it was all fantastic, but a lot of palaver. Uh, and, and we got to the top and uh, myself and one of the other riders turned around and said, it'd be really nice to do this without all of the noise. Uh, um, so that's what we're doing. It's just two old friends on a couple of bikes with panniers. Uh, we're both in the autumn of our careers and, uh, <laughs> and, and so in fact one of us is retired actually and that's okay we're and um and uh, we're just gonna do it we're, we're calling it a last of the summer wine tour you, okay you know, be, <laughs> might be so, a bit harsh that but <laughs> so, uh, a bit of a long answer to your question but my bank holiday weekend was spent cycling and I'm very glad I had the opportunity to do that because it's been flipping snowing since then um I don't know what's going on there's clearly no such thing as climate change that's why it's snowing <laughs> I I know I've I was speaking to people um about the weather over the bank holiday and it just it's so typical isn't it the, the first bank holiday we have where things are semi opened up and we can actually meet up with some friends and have a drink outside it's um sort of yeah the, the weather had a bit of a moment I think all over England it was sunny it was hail did you say you had snow we, the, we we had a very very light powder snow but uh, my cycling buddy lives up in Scotland and actually could not go out because the roads were covered in snow uh, that was yesterday um, in actual fact and uh, we we just get occasional uh, hailstones at the moment uh, you know it's bizarre to see hail 
house in off the pavement when we got it there. is it's 200 shopping days to christmas by the way <laughs> oh god yeah i guess it is it's 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 uh yeah hopefully um we start to see warmer weather coming in and and lighter well it's get, getting lighter still which i'm always grateful for i love a long day um yeah. obviously we're, we're, we're here today to talk about well i thought we would talk about um sort of dentistry and and getting back to practice in sort of the normal sense or as normal as it can be as this roadmap that was set out at the start of the year starts to sort of unfold um so obviously from i think it was the 12th of april uh non-essential shops have been open again and um, which means a lot of things, um, but I thought I'd, I'd speak to you to see about what this means for dentistry. What do you think this means for the, the dental profession? So obviously it's quite a, a broad question, but um, yeah. I'll let you interpret that how you, how you wish. Well, Ed, I, I'm inclined to say, you know, let me loose because uh, the, the, there's so much to say about this. But yeah. I, I think that the first um, the first word I'm going to use is optimism. and, and uh, and I want anybody who's listening to this podcast to know that that I believe that pretty much everything I'm going to say today is going to be optimistic mm. with regard to the uh, the current state of the uh, the UK dental market and also the the prognosis for the future as well. Mm. Uh, we just look at where we're at today. Um, there was a wonderful um, uh, phrase that was used by a chap called Andy Haldane, who is at the Bank of England. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he described the UK economy as a coiled spring. And uh, what he meant by that is that uh, the, the same Bank of England have, have, have uh, released the data and said that they estimate that there's something in the region of £180 billion sterling of unspent consumer spending that has accumulated over the last 12 months. Now, um, this is what I'll say. Uh, my, my community of clients and the wider communi community of people that I talk to in dentistry, some of them are private, some of them are specialists, some of them mixed, some of them very heavily NHS uh, focused, but there is a very consistent message across the landscape. And the message is, it's raining patients. Um, and I have got clients at the moment who are sharing with me their figures on a month by month basis, January, February, March, April, record months for sales, record months for sales. I've got clients who are sharing with, with me year end figures for the end of March 2021, um, who are sharing with me that even though um, at least two, if not three of those 12 months they were in lockdown they've actually reported record years for sales so even allowing for lockdown the sales have picked up to the extent that they've exceeded uh, previous levels of productivity and this isn't just a few one-offs this is information that i've got coming at me across the board we've got to ask ourselves how can that be and i think that the reason for that is because there are a number of cohorts of patients who are looking for dentistry and i want to share some of those cohorts with with you and the listeners not in any order of importance but let's start with cohort number one nhs patients who cannot get in to see their former nhs practice because of lack of availability of time uh, and and personnel Cohort number one, I need a dentist. My existing NHS practice tell me they can't see me, so can I come and see you? Cohort number two, 
people who may have been members of a NHS mixed or private practice, but they had a lousy customer service experience during the pandemic. Maybe that practice didn't communicate with them very well. Maybe they didn't communicate with them at all. Maybe they've got back in touch with them now and they've ended up with a front of house team member who's basically said computer says no when they've, when they've made an inquiry about the availability of treatment. And so they thought, right, you know what? Now's as good a time as anyway as any. Maybe it's time to look for a new home. So they're on the, on the move. Cohort number three, existing patients who may be fee-per-item patients or more importantly, they may be dental plan patients who are banging on the windows saying, when are you going to catch up? Because I've maintained my plan payments all the way through lockdown. And by the way, the plan providers will tell you that the loyalty of patients during the pandemic has been incredible, that the drop-off rate has been single-figure percentages in terms of the number of people who may have cancelled or postponed the plan. But the patients now want the return on their investment. They want the reward for their loyalty. So when are you going to catch up with my hygiene and when are you going to catch up with my dental health reviews? Cohort number four is those people who've not been able to spend money at the pub or a sports ground or an entertainment facility or in hospitality and leisure or on a foreign holiday and they've got money burning a hole in the pockets and to some extent that accounts for the fact that online sales have massively massively increased over the last 12 months we know that online purchasing has increased something in the region of 300 percent in the last 12 months we know that there's money burning a hole in people's pockets and we know that some of that money has been diverted into what we would describe as cosmetic dentistry I've got time on my hands, I've got money in my pocket, I may as well go for that cosmetic treatment that I've been thinking about for years and years and years. So look at all of those people uh, and look at the fact that we've now got a fifth cohort, as if that weren't enough. <laughs> and there's a fifth cohort of patients who are saying, the pubs are opening, industry's getting back out, hospitality, leisure, sport entertainment and even family gatherings one of my sons was due to get married in august of last year the marriage was postponed because of covid he was due to get married in august of this year the marriage is postponed because she's pregnant um and they've now confirmed in actual fact this morning by email that the marriage is going to be next year but now what we're saying is that all being well, when that marriage takes place, we're going to be back to the original format of, you know, 300 people running around with iPhones taking photographs. And some of those people will want a new smile to go with their wedding outfits. And so there's another reason that people are actually getting out of the rabbit holes. They're going back out into the world. And so cosmetic dentistry is important. And I'm going to actually also say one more thing about all of this and that is um you can't get old of a peloton you can't get old of an indoor bike you can't get old of an outdoor bike you can't buy leisure equipment 
And the reason for that is because the waiting list for a new bike nowadays can be anything up to 12 to 18 months. Why is that? Because we've just had a year in which all of us have suddenly gone up a gear in terms of being healthcare conscious. So you know as well as I do, there are more people out jogging, there are more people out riding bikes, there are more people out walking dogs, there are more people out signing up for gyms and signing up with personal trainers, and there are more people ordering indoor exercise equipment than we've ever seen. And those people don't just want to look good and feel good physically, they want to look good and feel good holistically and dentistry as a part of that process. Absolutely. What on earth is not to like about all of that? <laughs> it's a very good point. And I, th I think the statistics as well back up what you're saying. I think there was a new survey this week that showed 84% of orthodontists have seen an increase in adult, um, mm. adult patients coming in. And I think that speaks for itself. Um, and I mean, this, this overall, obviously, is very much an emphasis on the cosmetic side, on the aesthetic side, people looking at themselves, people having this disposable income and wanting to spend it and invest in themselves as people. As a result of this, it means that every dental practice out there is going to be up against it and going to want to sort of take advantage of this, if you see what I mean. And, as, and consequently, people can, I think, fall into the same patterns and it means that everybody comes across as doing sort of the same thing, if you see what I mean. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you reckon teams and practices can stand out and go the extra mile during this time? Because, you know, the patients are there, but obviously you've got to execute it and you've got to get them in and, and give them the treatment and the service that they are paying for. Um, so how do you yeah. think teams can sort of make themselves stand out from the crowd during this time? Uh, I'm going to quote, uh, I'm going to share with you one of my favourite quotations, and, it, it, and it's from um, Sir Henry Royce, uh, co-founder of the Rolls-Royce company, uh, who famously said, by the way, Henry Royce was an absolute minefield of quotations. I think, I think he must have sat at home thinking one up every day. Uh, but there's one great quote from Henry Royce who said that um, he, he was actually quoted as saying that quality will remain long after price is forgotten and my belief is is that when i'm talking to my clients uh, at any stage in the career what one of the fundamental questions that i always like to ask them is what what is it that you stand for do you stand for quality or do you stand for price in the sense that you're trying to offer the lowest price uh, 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 or the highest quality and you know, the, there is no doubt that a lot of people will pay lip service to the word quality because who the hell wants to be thought of as a low price dental practice. But what we've got to understand out is, is that the public out there, it's a bit of a sweeping generalization, but and I apologize for that. But the public out there can be divided into those people who are looking for a quality experience and those people who are looking for the lowest price. And I'm not gonna take sides on this, but what I am gonna say is that you've, as the owner of a dental business, you've got to take a position. 
And the position is, what is it we're going to stand for here? Are we going to be the practice that people come to because we offer a low price guarantee? Or are we going to be the type of practice that people come to because we offer a high quality guarantee? And the good news is there are enough members of the public in each of those camps to keep each of those businesses busy. Uh, the worst possible thing is to tell a lie. Um, and in other words, to say that you're low price and then not be low price, that's a lie. To say that you're high quality and then not be high quality, that's just as much a lie. So what we've got to focus on, your question is how do practices positively differentiate themselves in the marketplace? And I'm suggesting that a lot of listeners may find this quite difficult to swallow, but trying to differentiate yourself as being the best clinician, trying to differentiate yourself as having the funkiest digital dental equipment, trying to differentiate yourself uh, as providing uh, the smallest margins and the best shades, the public don't understand that message in the main. And so you are going to have to differentiate yourself in terms of quality. And if you do that, you'd, met, you'd better make darn sure that you're able to follow through on your pro promise. So what do we mean by quality? We mean two things. We mean the quality of the customer service experience that you deliver. And we mean the quality of the clinical care that you deliver as well. So, of course, dentistry comes into it. But it's people are more likely to write a five-star review about the customer service experience that they've had than they are about the fact that you've got a CBCT scanner in the corner. <laughs> uh, they're more likely to write a five-star review about a house team member who went the extra mile to help them are to write a review about the fact that the dentist that they went to see has just been on a postgraduate course and so it goes on now i'm a massive massive believer in turning your patients into your unpaid sales force in turning your patients into your advocates your ambassadors in encouraging your patients to write those google and facebook reviews that people really, really do take notice of nowadays when they're doing their consumer research. Let's face it, we've all learned to read the reviews, haven't we? Um, and so I want people to be writing five-star reviews about me, but I recognize that what they're going to review is the customer service experience that they had, not necessarily the quality of the workmanship. Mm -hmm. So my answer is service. <laughs> That's, um, I think you made some really good points there. When you were talking about the reviews as well, I'm a sucker for a, a review, anything. I, I think it, it's, 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 you want to go somewhere, don't you? And you want to know that the service you're going to be getting and, or the, the product, be it a meal, be it a dental treatment, be it just a, you know, an entertainment experience. You want to know that you're going to be getting quality service essentially. Um, so I, I always look at reviews so that resonates um, quite strongly with me. Um, but I mean, you know, there's aesthetic dentistry and within aesthetic dentistry, there's lots of branches that come off here. What, what kind of 
tips would you sort of give to practices regardless of their specialties or, or interests at this time? What do you think teams should be doing sort of in practice? Uh, what practical tips can you, can you give teams? Uh, well, I, I, I think that there are two activities in any dental business um, that are evergreen. They, they should take place every day, irrespective of what's going out there on out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And those two activities um, are number one, marketing. And interestingly, and you might find this a bit of a surprise, but interestingly, my second activity is recruitment. Okay. And I don't believe that you do marketing when you start running short of patients. And I don't believe that you start doing recruitment when you've got a gap in your workforce. You do marketing. 247365. You do recruitment 247365. And the reason for that is because even though it's raining patients at the moment, we know that everything is cyclical. We know that every economy has cycles. We know that the weather has cycles. We know that everything has cycles. And so we're about to embark upon what is predicted to be about two to three years of boom economy. Again, the Bank of England say the economy is going to boom until the end of 2023. What the Bank of England don't say is, and then there'll be a bust. But we all know that there will, because there always is. And similarly, just when Alex Ferguson gets a Champions League winning football team, that isn't going to stay there forever. That is going to disintegrate. Another manager is going to come in. The club is going to go through a boom cycle, which will be followed by a bust cycle. There you take into account the last 10 years of Manchester United football. <laughs> and that ultimately will be followed by another boom cycle when the right manager gets the right teams in the right position and they start winning competition yeah. again. That's human nature. We're cyclical. Mm. So I'm constantly banging the drum to say that marketing is an activity that takes place in perpetuity mm -hmm. and that recruitment is an activity that takes place in perpetuity. You should have a careers page on your website mm -hmm. that should talk about clinical careers with your business. It should talk about non-clinical careers with your business. There's no reason why you can't have a waiting list of people waiting to work with your practice um, instead of react, 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 react to the actual circumstances that present themselves. So that's the first two things, marketing and recruitment. The third thing and the third word I want to share with you, and it's a word I'm really, really passionate about, and the word is innovation. And uh, you, you may recall that the, the, the economists talk about a thing called the adoption cycle, uh, which is a, 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 an upside down U shape. And right at the cutting edge of the adoption cycle, you've got innovators, they're the inventors. And then following that, you've got the early adopters. They're the first people who use the invention. And then you've got the early majority. They're the first people who use the invention once it's been proven. And then you've got the late majority, they're the people that say, what, what happened? I need to get on that bandwagon, usually a bit too late. 
And then finally, you've got what's called the laggards, and the laggards are the ones that sit there and say that'll never work. And everything has an adoption cycle. And when we look back at the history of dentistry in the pandemic, one of the things that we'll notice is a huge acceleration in innovation in digital dentistry and also a huge acceleration in innovation in the patient journey itself. So we've seen the arrival of the video consultation. We've seen the arrival of uh, aligner adjustment by video. We've seen the arrival of video uh, treatment plan presentations. We're seeing lots of virtual communication that yeah. is taking place. And I remember during the, the early days of the pandemic, somebody came up with a great phrase. It was called Mamma Mia Dentistry. <laughs> and that was a mnemonic. Let me see if I can remember it. It was minimal attendance, minimal aerosol, minimal invasive aesthetics. Yeah, it's well done. <laughs> phrase. Now, I, I, I wish I'd invented that. I didn't. I can't remember who did. But what a great way. Now, Mamma Mia Dentistry came along to deal with the, uh, the, the restrictions of the early lockdown period. But there are many, many clients who have turned around and have said that minimal attendance patient pathway has actually turned out to be really efficient. Mm, yeah. So we think we're going to keep it. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. Uh, so innovation in patient communication, but of course, also back to my earlier point, innovation in digital dentistry. So whether it's intraoral scanning, whether it's, uh, whether it's CBCT scanning, whether it's integrated digital pathways, that whole area of the marketplace, explosive. And so it's absolutely essential that you've got to stay on the front edge of that wave mm. because yeah. otherwise you're just going to get left behind so this wave you're talking about here which i think we can agree is is that it's, it's coming in now people are dentists are feeling the forefront of it as we as we speak you know it's it's coming in there's, there's an increase in patients coming in and people are changing the way that they're they're doing dentistry essentially um and and that is here to stay i think a lot of people can agree that things like virtual consultations are, are becoming sort of a part of their day-to-day business um, in practice but a lot of the time we talk about the sort of rebound from COVID but obviously there will be at some point COVID I think we can all agree is here to stay um, but it, it will become less intense and, and less um, obvious I guess um, in the future at some point you know with the vaccine rollouts and, and as we sort of build up immunity as a, as a population so where, where do you see dentistry being at once all of this has has um not not cleared i don't like to say it because it sounds a bit hopeful um but you know when we have moved past this it's no longer a pandemic um what what, what do you think the future holds for dentistry in general well first things first i think that your use of language is very accurate which is that there will come a time when covid19 is no longer a pandemic mm. in the same time in the same way that there was a time when influenza stopped being a pandemic. But prior to COVID, influenza killed 10,000 people in the United Kingdom every winter. 
and we never saw a single news feature about that because we'd embraced it as being part of the world in which we live and uh, you know whether people went and got boosted jabs or whatever uh, that 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 sadly uh, that mortality rate was pretty much embedded and what's going to happen is that we're going to end up with an embedded mortality rate which is associated around covid and whether it ends up being a winter problem or an all year round problem there are going to be a some certain number of people who sadly will succumb to this disease but what will happen is that we'll have booster programs uh, and we'll have vaccination programs uh, that will carry on um, will will dentists ever get to take their face masks off i doubt it frankly um, i think that a lot of the sops that have been introduced over the last uh, year are likely to be here to stay for quite a long time if not forever so of course that's a different world in which to live um, but where do where do practices go back to well in a way, I, what, what I'm going to say is that they are going to go back to normal um, because there will be differences in the format of the patient journey that we've just discussed. There will be differences in the activity that actually takes place in the surgery because of what we just discussed about SOPs and PPE. Um, and there will likely be differences in terms of the way that the dentistry is delivered because of digital innovation. But people are going to get married. People are going to have uh, coming of age ceremonies uh, and graduations. People are going to have anniversaries. Um, people are going to get separated and married again. Uh, people are going to have retirement parties. Uh, people are going to get to the end of their school fees and their mortgages and find themselves in an empty nest with a bit of disposable income that they never had before. And the most important point of all, uh, and this is something that relates to my generation, I, I am a baby boomer. I was born between 47 and 57. I'm right in the middle of that demographic. And there's a very interesting thing about my generation actually two interesting things about my generation the first interesting thing about my generation is that we've got more money than any other group mm. uh, baby boomers people born between 47 and 57 have got 45 percent of all the net disposable income and capital in the uk really we've got most of the money thank you very much <laughs> um and of course, I, I'm one of those people where my five children have grown up and left home. Mm. I've got to the end of the school fees. I've got to the end of the mortgage. Mm. I'm still working, but I've got more disposable income than I've had at any other at any time since I was in my 20s. Yeah. And of course, the second important fact is that I've got something that my father didn't have and his father didn't have. And that is, on average, an extra 25 years of life, on average. Now, when my father got to age 65, he reinvented himself as an old age pensioner. And any remote thought that he might have had around exercise, around getting off his backside and going out and making a sea in the world, was superseded by the fact that I'm now an old age pensioner and so I'm, I've got to have a bad back or whatever. 
and you know god bless me dad he the, the last thing in the world my dad was was a couch potato but you could see the difference because society said when you're 65 you're an old age pensioner and you should act like one i represent a generation who reach that age and it is of no particular significance to them because basically i'm intending to live till i'm 100 and uh you know and, and sometimes you say to that people to people and as you did you get a kind of a, a, a nervous smile uh but the reality of the situation is that we are members of a demographic who have got the opportunity to have a go at that target and i'm 67 years old and i run marathons and i ride my bike and i walk my dogs and i'm out there living life to the full i've got a bucket list that's getting longer i've just signed up to be a, one of the party of four that are going to climb mont blanc next year hopefully raise some money for charity my life is busy active and exciting and i'm looking forward to it and i want a lovely smile to accompany all of those things by the way this morning over my breakfast i was watching bbc news and on the news this morning they presented a world record certificate to a 70 year old who has just canoed across the atlantic single-handed the oldest human being ever to complete the journey that's amazing at the age of 70 reporter said what are your plans he said i'm doing it again in 2023 because i want to break my own record at the age of 73. <laughs> that's what we're like and uh you, listen i'll be the first to admit that we cannot disco dance for love no money <laughs> And anybody who's ever been to a private dentistry dinner and seen me on the dance floor afterwards will confirm that the older we get, the less adept we get at moving around the dance floor in any shape or form that looks anything other than uh, a nightmare from hell. But we've got loads of vim and vigor left in us and we want clean, straight, white teeth for the next 25 years as well yeah for sure every time every time i go to see my dentist that's my dentist not yeah no my. i i got that <laughs> every time i go and see my own dentist he has a little giggle and he rubs his hands together and he says about another two years chris and i say about another two years for what and he says before you first implant <laughs> and he smiles at me and i understand that that is I understand that I, I have I have turned from uh, a performance vehicle into a classic car, and, <laughs> <laughs> and what that I'm going to need a lot more TLC going forward, and that's going to cost some money. So I, I apologise for being long-winded, but what I want to say, and it's again this message of of of, of optimism, is that people like me, we've got the time. We've got the money and we've got the appetite to look good and feel good for a very much longer time than any previous generation. And we're only the start of it because when we're all in a box, 
the next generation will come along and repeat that process. And so they will. So, you know what, if any, none of my kids have chosen to go into dentistry, but if any of my kids did say, what do you think about a career in dentistry? Uh -huh. I'd fill your boots. <laughs> I mean, that kind of takes us on to the, to the final question, actually. That was a, a perfect link there. Um, which I asked to everybody, actually, um, because I've, I've realised everybody's journey into the dental professional industry is very different. Um, and, and I mean, like I, we established at the beginning of the podcast, I, I've never actually spoken to you before today. Um, but I think we can, we could agree that the dentist, dentistry is quite yeah. a new area um, to get into, actually. And some people fall into it and some people go into it intentionally. If you couldn't work in dentistry, what would you work in instead? I know that you briefed me on that question and, um, and, <laughs> and in some respects I deliberately didn't think about it but, but uh, so it's a kind of an off-the-cuff answer. I, th I think I'm, I'm going to give you two answers. The, the, the first answer is that if, uh, if I could have chosen another career what would it have been? Um, but the second answer I want to give you is that if money, if money was no object what would I want to do? Okay uh, that, that's good that's good. I think they're two different questions. Absolutely. So, uh, so question number one, if I could have chosen a career, what what would it have been? Well, uh, very quickly, I'll tell you that at the age of 16, I was all signed up and ready uh, to go into the fleet air arm to train as a helicopter pilot and uh, to actually follow a, a military tradition in the family. My dad was in the Navy uh, and, and his father was a, a Coldstream guard. Um, and I, I flunked my exams okay and um had to reset my exams now of course in those days they were called o levels if you remember gc gco levels so i had all the paperwork ready to go into the navy and i flunked my exams i had to stay at school for an extra year and during that year i discovered bulmer's woodpecker cider players number six and girls and uh, and by the end of that year uh, my ambition to become um, a helicopter pilot had been superseded uh, mm -hmm. by the fun I was having. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I would have liked to have been a helicopter pilot. Okay. Okay. Uh, but also, in actual fact, if there were two other jobs that I would love to have had, mm. one of them would have been as an actuary because okay. I have a lifelong interest in mathematics. And the second one, uh, would have been as a barrister uh, because I've seen barristers at work and I think that what they do is quite amazing and remarkable. So there's an interesting mix. So that's the, there's three alternate career pathways for Chris Barrow. Um, and then if money was no object and just somebody said, do what you want to do, uh, then I would have wanted to spend more time writing. I... Uh, I enjoy writing. I do not write fiction. I have no aspiration to be, a, I, I don't aspire to be able to do that. But I do love to write about personal development, about business development. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm at my happiest sometimes when I'm sat on a veranda in Greece uh, with a keyboard in front of me and nobody around and a cup of coffee and I'm just creating content. So uh, that would have been a nice thing as well. That scene you set just there, I see, oh, I can't wait for those, you know, to go away again. <laughs> it's just, 
you said that so well i've just i just got that image in my head and it's just i can see it so perfectly well um, we, we go to the same location uh in okay. july and that's in the greek islands and um okay. and uh, i have got every conceivable digit crossed um, <laughs> that we're going to be able to get out there again in july this year absolutely i I mine across for you as well um across for everyone i think we are we're so long overdue we people rely on holidays you know it keeps us sane and it, it gives us time to unwind and um yeah here's, here's hoping this roadmap unfolds uh as as it said it would but um thank you so much for joining me today it's, it's been a pleasure and you've said some really interesting things there that i think people can take away and and put into practice um so have a great weekend and um yeah i'm sure i'll speak to you again soon again lovely to meet gabby and thank you for the questions as well it's been fun thanks chris